This is Included, the podcast. Conversations toward a greater understanding of the inclusive love of Jesus. Unpacking the mystery and wonder of the Word of God. For those seeking an affirming, equitable Salvation Army. For others. Thanks for joining. We invite you to take a posture of listening and exploring. As we seek together the good news for the whosoever. Welcome to Included, the podcast. My name is Chris Halliday. I'm a Salvation Army officer in Melbourne, Australia. Actually, really soon to be a Salvation Army officer in the Amsterdam, the Amsterdam, the Netherlands, Amsterdam. Uh, I'm a gay guy and am part of the Included team, a group of Salvationists and people connected to the Salvation Army around the world who are really passionate about what it means to be an inclusive, safe, equitable Salvation Army. And today's conversation is really tapping into that. We've got two fantastic guests, uh, two friends. In fact, it's uh, a Melbourne-based show today. We've got Sharon Priestley and Captain Katie Ryan from Pakenham here in Melbourne. We're going to get into some introductions soon, but the idea of today's podcast is to look at lament. What does it mean to courageously lament. Over this season of Included the Podcast, we've been looking at the idea of courage, courageous testimony, what does it mean to be a courageous ally, and today, courageous lament. So a big welcome to all of you listening uh, today and a huge welcome to Sharon Priestley and Katie Ryan. Hey, Sharon and Katie. Hi. (laughs) How is everybody? (laughs) Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm absolutely super. Thanks, Sharon. Now, a lot of our listeners will have uh, will know of Katie and Sharon. If you were a part of our recent 24 hours of prayer for the High Council and Ida Hobbit, Sharon was one of our uh, presenters and contributors, and Katie uh, presented an incredible piece of music with Rachel Adard from here in Melbourne, a beautiful song which really set the tone for each of our meetings around just connecting in to the heart of God and the heart of worship. But now we get to talk to you. So we might start with some introductions. Uh, Maybe we want to tell us, Sharon, introduce yourself. Who are you? What's your connection to the Salvation Army? Well, yeah, uh, as you said, my name is Sharon Priestley. Um, I have been with Packenham Corps for quite a while now, uh, the last couple of years. Um, And yeah, previous to that, I was going back multitudes of years ago. I was with Frankston Corps. Um, and yeah, which is a story that I'll get into, I guess, <laughs> about that. Um, but yeah, look, I've, I was um, brought to Packenham Court in a rather unique way. Um, I was actually led by a child. Wow. <laughs> I was led by God. Yeah. Very Fant- interesting. Fantastic. Let's unpack a little bit more. Katie, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. So I am currently the core officer at Packenham, which is I get the privilege to journey with Sharon a bit in our little town. So, yeah, I'm an officer, been around for I think this is year 11, quite happy to go by Katie and not Captain. So that's me. But I'm very passionate about inclusion of all people and we have a phrase at Packenham that we say that you are loved, you have purpose and you belong and that's really the heart of who I am as an officer, that people feel loved, that they find their purpose and that they belong in God's kingdom. That's me. Awesome. It sounds like a uh, a great purpose. <laughs> uh, have you found that play out, Sharon, as you've connected in at Pakenham? Yeah, absolutely. It's um it's been an amazing journey, and 
certainly since um, Katie arrived at the at the center uh, at, <laughs> at at the core. Um, and yeah, she's been an amazing influence and really inspirational. So yeah, absolutely. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your journey? You sort of tapped on it just for a brief moment, but let's dig in a little bit more. Tell us about your journey too and and with the Salvation Army. Yeah, um, I was led to the Salvation Army um, about 30-odd, 35 years ago, I think it is now, um, in our Frankston Corps. Um, I was desperately looking for a place to belong and I guess at the time I was struggling um, and a friend suggested I go along to the Salvos. Um, I must admit at the time, I didn't even know Selvos had a church. I just knew that they were out in the community helping people that were disadvantaged. So I came along and I loved it. Um, I got involved in the core to the degree of being a Sunday school teacher as well as uh, part of the band. Um, yeah, and not songsters. That was one thing I didn't do. <laughs> <laughs> Don't quite have the voice for that just yet. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so I absolutely loved it um, and it was really great sense of community. Uh, unfortunately, I sort of drifted away after a few years of that because other interests came along, uh, work became uh, part of my, more a part of my life um, as well as I got married and, yeah, so that was, that was where that sort of went. And then, look, years later, um, I've always wanted to go back to the Selvos and struggled to find a place to call home, especially after I transitioned. Uh, I'm now 50, turning 54 next month, actually. Um, and I waited till I was 46 to transition. Um, so I, I sort of like struggled to try and find a place to belong uh, as in cause, but my daytime job, I'm a Sunday school, sorry, a Sunday school teacher. <laughs> that was a past. Um, I am an early childhood educator um, and one of the children in my room one day was sitting in this great big wooden box and she had her arms out in front of her and she was moving them backwards and forwards. And I'm like, Zoe, child's name, what are you doing? And she goes, I'm driving to church. Do you want to come? <laughs> and I'm like sure <laughs> um and i knew her mother was a salvation army I, I knew she had some connection with the salvation army at least anyway um so i had to tell her that story about how zoe wanted to drive me to church and she said you should she sh you should you should come along that's that's really amazing and she was so proud of her daughter for saying such a thing um and then one sunday morning she rang me up um about eight o'clock in the morning and said God has told me that you need to come to church. I'm like, okay, it's Sunday morning. <laughs> um, and I said, what time does the service start? And she said, 10 o'clock in the morning. I said, okay, I'm at least 45 minutes away. I'm still in bed. That's not going to happen. She's like, well, giving you the information. God has told me this is what's going to happen. The rest is up to you. Somehow I managed to get shower, dressed and changed and out the door and to, to church with about mm, five minutes to spare. Fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, Zoe had uh, got me there. <laughs> and was that at Pakenham? That was at Pakenham. And, um, yeah, I haven't, I've been, haven't left since. It's, um, I've had a break every so often because obviously the, the travelling time is, is a big killer when I'm travelling a lot during the, my working week as well. But, um, yeah, I just love it. It's just been so, so, I guess, home. It's, it's felt like home from the moment I walked in the door. Um, and 
you know, when Katie came along um, after our last core officers, um, I was a little concerned, but as soon as I met Katie, it was like, yeah, my concerns were not founded. So, yeah. You picked up on a bit before that you've, you transitioned uh, about eight years ago. Yeah. Uh, and uh, in, as, as a female into the fabulous Sharon that we mm-hmm. see and hear before us, <laughs> what was the journey in the Salvation Army like as a trans woman? About 30 odd years ago, 30, 35 years or something. Um, and yeah, it was a totally different time. I mean, I, we, we have come a long way in that time. Um, we still have a long way to go. Uh, the work is still needs to be done, but the amount of changes I've seen just in my lifetime of that, I guess, association with the army is been amazing. So, yeah. yeah. So tell us then about Pakenham. Tell us Pakenham. about coming as a trans, as a trans woman, uh, you've been invited by a kid sitting on a box and uh, the Lord has told her you need to come to church. Yep. Uh, I'm sure there are a whole bunch of questions and concerns you had because you've now transitioned. Yep. And so you, uh, I can only imagine some of the, the thoughts and, and things that were running through your mind as you were approaching on that first day. Yeah. Oh, look, it was uh, tentatively um, really you know, anxious, I guess, to, um, for me, I've always been that kind of person that I don't want other people to feel uncomfortable around me. And I guess that was my biggest thing going in there, not so much thinking about me and how I'd feel, but how other people would feel by me walking in there. Um, see, I just didn't want people to feel uncomfortable by my presence there. And that's the same wherever I go. Um, but as, as like, as it was just amazing because I mean, everyone welcomed me with open arms. They'd come back and chat with me afterwards and wanted to get to know me. And it was, yeah, it was, it was just an amazing time. And I feel like my core has really got my back. So if anything ever did go wrong, I, I, sort of classify them as my support base. They're a part of my support base in my life. And yeah. Can I ask, pivoting slightly, as a trans woman, you've been, and you've shared this in in some of our included um, events previously, you've been the focus of abuse and discrimination. Can you give us maybe a little insight into what some of that's like uh, as you live your life as a trans woman here in Melbourne and deal with some of that? Um, look, most of the abuse I've probably copped has been, um, online, um, with people sort of having an issue with the fact that I am, uh, an educator and I work with children, um, and therefore I must be doing it for nefarious reasons. Um, and that's probably the worst thing that's ever come out of it. Question, people question my relationship with children because they bond with me. They always have bonded with me. So there must be something wrong because I'm working in that in that sector. Yeah. Um, that's probably the biggest thing. I sort of tend not to go places where I know it's going to be dangerous for me or not safe. So I w- won't go to certain places after dark is <laughs> probably yeah. the best way to go. Um, and I'll sort of stick within my sort of safety network of, of friends and, and people that, you know, that do respect me and do want to see me do well in life and yeah I, I guess I'm really sheltered in that respect it's only really at work I've had a few people that have sort of like had issues with me along the way there was um, an incident at a birthday party yeah yes <laughs> glad you brought that up <laughs> yeah so going back about a year ago now um 
I was invited to a child's birthday party in one of the children in my room, um, which is amazing. I, I love those sort of events where I get to go and spend time with the kids in my class, but instead of sitting there documenting and watching it and what they're learning and all that sort of stuff, I get to have fun with them. I get to play. Yeah. And that that's my biggest thing because they think enough for me to be there because they, they want to have fun. Um, and I go there and bring fun. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, the party was at a trampoline center, um, and bouncing around and they were throwing me into ball pits and they were throwing me into foam stuff and chucking things at me. The kids just had a ball. It was an absolute blast of a day and it was amazing. Um, and unfortunately there was one parent there who is also a, a, has a child in my room, um, that had an issue with the fact that I was having fun with the kids and there must be some reason why I'm doing that. Obviously there's some sort of again, nefarious reasons why I'm doing that. Um, so I had to go through an investigation. Uh, it went to the department. Um, the department, sorry, the investigation took about three months. Thankfully, um, no cause to answer, or no case to answer, sorry. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was done. But it's just those three months of going through, I guess, pain and, and, and thinking, how can anyone think that of me? Um, because that is so, and if, it, if you ever see me with children, so far removed from that. That's not who I am. Yep. Kids just love me and I love being with them. It's just, it's just who I am. Yep. I mean, no doubt you would be a ball of fun. <laughs> so I can imagine why the kids love you, of course. These are some heartbreaking stories, Sharon, and you paint uh, a, a, a picture for those of us listening who uh, that really speaks to a sense that, so often in life, you're looking over your shoulder, you're wondering what people are thinking, you're wondering who's around. Uh, there are places you won't go, you're questioning your movements. So with all of that in mind, what does safe space mean for you? Oh, it's, um, it means the world to me because um, I know if I'm in that safe space, it's, it's like I <laughs> literally know I'm safe. I have people around me that you know, love me and support me and and care um if if i'm feeling down or not feeling it i mean unfortunately a byproduct here of dysmorphia is uh anxiety and depression um so i've i lived through um 15 years of a marriage being having depression and anxiety um got out of that marriage which was the hardest thing i ever did because i mean i got married to stay married not find myself questioning my existence um as hard as it was um and those 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 that pain is still there after 15 years of being told i'm useless so i'm be considered a freak of nature and all the rest of it um it 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 stays with me and there's times when i'll wake up and I, yeah I, I don't want to get out and sort of go into the lion's den so to speak um so those safe spaces mean a lot so knowing that those people are there to support yeah. me and, and love me, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You've kind of picked up on it. And I don't want to do it too much because you're sharing so openly and and, and it's it's raw and I, I want to make sure we give you a space second to breathe as well. But um, you talked about, you know, a safe place being somewhere where you can connect with people who know you and love you. But when you're looking around for those safe spaces, how would you paint a picture of what it is that you're looking for? Uh, or how did you decide that this is a safe place for me? Um, I guess the biggest thing is inclusivity. Um, you know, 
you can tell by going into a place that whether they're going to be welcoming or not because it's just the way they are um and it, it's it's great depending on what shops you go into and what places you go into and and you see that they're wearing their little logos now with their like inclusivity um, badges and um all that sort of stuff it's 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 a safe feeling that you know um but i, I tend to really only go in those places i tend not to go in um, places that I feel uncomfortable, I, I struggle, <laughs> whether it's inclusive or not, I struggle to go in auto shops, <laughs> super cheap and me, just start friends. I feel uncomfortable as soon as I walk in the door because it feels um, highly masculine and that's not me. <laughs> yeah. I know nothing about cars. Take me to a dusk shop and I'm, I'm in it with the candles and stuff. I love it. <laughs> okay, so two criteria, no yep. auto parts and <laughs> rainbow icons on the door. There's, there's the two key Pretty much criteria it, yeah. of safety. Yeah, totally. Get those rainbow icons out there. <laughs> Katie, we're hearing a lot here about uh, the sort of place that uh, Sharon or someone like Sharon can find safety and what it means to be in a safe space and the importance of having safe spaces. So as, as a core officer now, uh, a few years here in Melbourne and even prior to this, when we met actually in a place that for many people was also not considered safe um, in a context where lots of people were also looking for safe spaces. As you reflect on all of that, what does safe space mean for you as a church leader? Yeah, well, I think Sharon hit on some of it that the way you set up your spaces is crucial I think I'm really big on when someone walks in the door what is the first initial feeling and that can be by simple practical things of having the rainbow flag present or the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander flag or things that people can see themselves represented so that's a big one but it's also the culture and the language in which you speak and so being intentional with inclusive language. So we work really hard that there's no them and us, it's always we, and that's for all people, right? And so this idea of what is the way we speak and what is the way we speak about others as well? Do we speak like there's barriers or that we're all just one team on the same side? So I think language is a really big one. Um, in the church space, it's really looking at what are the constant messages we're preaching, right? What are we teaching in our everyday gospel message? And I think a big journey we went on was this idea of looking at the Jesus stories and how Jesus constantly pushed against what was the norm, the social norm, to actually get the heart of God's kingdom. And not to swing too much on our theme but it's interesting that you've asked us in this lament space because as I was reflecting for our core over these kind of two plus years journey God actually took us on a lament journey yeah. and every message we looked at was this idea of actually having that gut-wrenching sadness that it's not as it was meant to be right and that's where you see Jesus's life not going to get my preach on, but <laughs> really when you look at Jesus constantly created safe spaces because he acknowledged those that were not seen and said to them, I see you, and then challenged the ones with the power to actually say, what are you doing with this power and let's use it well. And so I think that's really safe spaces of acknowledging who has the power and what do we do with that power and who needs to be seen and how do we make them seen? And then 
like I said, we went on this great journey of looking at, okay, every single person in that room, how do they feel loved, valued, with purpose and belong, even when we don't agree, right? I think this is a key to safe space because we will always disagree on something. And so how do we create a space where we can live in the tension of different theologies, different understandings, and still at the end of the day, know that our job is to love each other as we love God. And I think that's the key to safe spaces. It's not about that we're all 100% inclusive. We're all 100% whatever. We're actually acknowledging we're all on a journey and we want to love and support everyone wherever they are on that journey and to say to them, you are valued who you are. But to also say, we love you, but maybe some behaviours we don't love as well. I think crucial part to safe spaces is constantly pointing out we don't do that here. And so we have a, that's a great phrase. I'm, I can't remember someone quoted it. Are you it. talking about like we don't drink coffee in church? Is that the sort of behaviour you're talking about? Mm-hmm. We always drink coffee in church. <laughs> oh, okay. So not that kind of behaviour. That's not the no. sort of behaviour we're, we're kicking out. So what I'm talking about is when we when we talk about changing culture and shifting our value system, we talk about the behaviour we walk past is the, the behaviour we actually agree with. And so if we walk past someone who's not treating each other nicely, then we've actually said we approve of that. So that's what I mean by there are times when we love people, but there are also times when we say, actually, we don't do that here. Like we can disagree, but we don't actually call each other out in hateful ways or whatever. I could keep preaching, but I'll pause there. That's no, enough. it's good. There's, it's, <laughs> what's really interesting, and I love about what you've done at Packenham. Um, so you've got yeah, you've got stickers up on the on the wall with with rainbow inclusion and and uh, indigenous inclusion icons. You've got the rainbow flag um, there at the core. Now a lot of people in Salvation Army Corps and and churches would say, look, we're we're still having dialogue. We're still debating. We've got disagreement about where we land on this, and so no symbols until we figure this out. We don't, we're not going to have a rainbow flag on the platform. We're not there yet. We haven't had the discussions. We haven't all agreed. So we pull back. But you've, it seems like you've gone the other way. You're saying, hey, we, we, we aren't all going to agree. We aren't all going to be in the same place. But, hey, we're putting the symbols up now as our starting point. Yeah. I do want to say for our call, we went on the journey to agree that we wanted to have those things represented. So, um we held a big weekend that some people might have seen um, that was online and open to everyone. And that actually started out of the fact that we had a bunch of our people who wanted to explore what does inclusion mean. And before that, we didn't even have the inclusion statement on the wall because I'm a big believer you don't put up anything on the wall unless that's what you represent. And so as a core, we actually went on a journey and decided together after that weekend, that we were going to be an inclusive core. And so then from that moment, we then put those things up that represented what we believed. Did you ever, did it ever cross your mind that there might be a a more vocal group within the core that weren't going to land there and you might end up with no inclusive symbols or you'd all of a sudden be leading a church where there wasn't a sense that this is who we want to be? What's interesting because we did have a few pushback and we did have people leave. We had people that wrestled with the idea and for them they couldn't sit comfortably in that space and that was those tough decisions, right, where I sat down with these people and I said, look, 
your position is valid for you. But actually, as a whole congregation, we have decided this is what we're going to represent. So it actually was that tough stuff of this is a point that you have to be okay with that. And so we have some people in our core that say, look, personally, I'm not there yet, but this is the lament stuff, right? Because they would say, I'm not there yet, but my granddaughter is too important, right? They had lamented the fact that the love of their grandchild was bigger than that theological moment. So there are people that personally can't say they can agree on all of it, but I think because of this lament journey, we actually realise that God has called us to something bigger than theologically being correct and actually looking at the heart of loving people. So, yes, we lost people and people said, I can't associate. And that's a beautiful thing with lots of churches because there's other churches for them. But for us at Pakenham, we accept everyone in that space. And that's the statement we make every day by having our team with the rainbow pins, with rainbow and Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander, disability, that's on there too. But that's who we are. And so this is now who you are. And this is the church that Sharon, that you've landed in. And you actually shared at that event that was called Inclusion to Equity. And if I remember correctly, it was about how do we have conversations that help us not just include, but actually have, you know, a sense of equity, that everybody is the same, that we can all participate uh, in the same ways. And Sharon, you shared some of your story there. And you talked a little bit about your soldiership journey. Do you want to um, talk us through a little bit about where that's at at the moment? You're on this uh, soldiership process. You haven't been able to be a soldier for some time. How has that been for you? Um, look, really hard because I, I loved, I loved the being, being a being a soldier. I guess uh, that Articles of War that I signed all those years ago meant so much to me. When were you? A, when you soldier? Just for those who might not have heard your previous story. Uh, again, that was back in Frankston Corps. Yep. So uh, that's when I did the soldiership classes um, and did all of that and proud Salvation Army soldier. Um, loved it, loved it so much, being that sense of community and helping others and, and helping out in the Corps. That was that was who I was and, and still is. But unfortunately now I, I can't wear the uniform because of who I am. Until, <laughs> until now, um, it's been... An ongoing, um, I guess, fight battle. I'm not quite sure what the word is, um, but we have finally got approval. I believe Katie can back this up from the DC. Yes, we do. Wow. <laughs> that's excellent. Now I want to celebrate that, but I want to ask you: Did someone actually tell you in the past that you couldn't be a soldier because of who you are? Um, or was it just it a was, sense that you got that it didn't it was, feel it, it was? was it was a sense, but at the same time, it was always sort of like, I mean, obviously, um, it, it was never an option. It was never a, something that could be yep. a possibility. We've always talked about it, and, and like it happening, even with the pre- previous core officers wanting it to happen, but not quite seeing how we do that, how that journey looks like, being able to get from point A to point B, um, because knowing that there, there is going to be a lot of oppositional obstacles in the way. Yeah. Um, but Katie, in her wisdom, has managed to get through all those obstacles, cut out the red tape with a big pair of scissors, and um, here we are. I'm about to start um, doing the revision. Fantastic. Uh, How does that feel to be to be back on the process? 
Oh, amazing. It means a lot. I mean, if you remember a year ago, I um, held, held aloft my um, soldier's heart and said, one day again, this is going to go on my head, but it's going to be a different kind of hat. Yeah. Um, I do remember you saying uh, with with some joy and hope that you wanted to be able to wear a bonnet. My only concern yes. was, look, I'm celebrating you and, and was <laughs> cheering you on, but I just concerned that, you know, most women don't wear bonnets anymore. Yeah. That was my, that was my main that concern. Is, that is a, yeah, so I have <laughs> noticed that. Um, but, hey, I rock a bonnet. I have done it before. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yes. So do, do, do you feel that you'll be able to live out what it means to be a salvationist more as you enter into this soldiership covenant again? Yeah, absolutely, because I'm a more true in, um, true reflection of myself. Um, you know, obviously in the past I couldn't be who I was, so I wasn't really authentic, if that makes sense. I don't know. Um, yeah. But now I, there, there is nothing more to see. Uh, you are, <laughs> I am what I am. You, uh, you, I am what I see. No, you see. <laughs> we see you. That's the main thing. That's it. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> um, yeah. So there's a, that's that's who I am. So, yeah. This is me. As that song goes. Yeah. Awesome. We're looking forward to hearing how that goes. Katie, as Sharon's core officer, how do you feel hearing these stories of of what it meant to to have been on a soldiership journey so far and where it's now landed? Yeah, I think um, I'm super excited for Sharon and we're totally going to get her a bonnet. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> it is going to be amazing. But I think for me, again, looking at kind of that spiritual lament, the fact that Sharon had doubt that this yeah. could happen, that there is so much power in what is not said, right? The fact that no one was actually directly saying you can't be this but there was this feeling of I can't do this and that mm-hmm. makes me incredibly sad that there is something about the unspoken which has so much power which is why it's so crucial to constantly speak out what we believe and what we value and so for me as the officer I knew that there was nothing written there that trans people couldn't be a soldier but I also knew that I did not want to get to the point where Sharon becomes a soldier and we celebrate this and it's beautiful and then I get moved and the next person doesn't hold the same values. Mm -hmm. And so the reason it's kind of taken us a year is because I want a DC letter that says this cannot be stripped away because um, one of my biggest concerns for Sharon was I think it would be more heart-wrenching to get that removed than actually to not become a soldier. And so over this year, we've been fighting to get that official word in concrete with that letter that we're going to frame and hand to you on the day you become a soldier because (laughs) we don't want anyone to take that away, right? Because you can hear the pure joy in Sharon to be a soldier. And it just reminds us what soldiership is, right? That accepting and loving space where people are on fire for the Jesus and the salvos. Yep. So as a core officer, I just love Sharon's passion. And man, if half of our soldiers were as passionate as Sharon, <laughs> what a different army it would be. So it's yep. going to be an absolute ce- celebration the day that we yep. get to 
Just to paint the visual picture, obviously people, uh, you're listening on your phones or computers, uh, but as we chat here today, we're on Zoom, so we're getting to see each other. And as we've had this soldiership discussion, Sharon has literally jumped out of her chair about three times <laughs> when she's been talking about how she feels about soon becoming a soldier. There goes four. Uh, so the joy tears in my eyes as we speak. That's how emotional it is. <laughs> wow. The joy is palpable and we, we celebrate with you, Sharon. I, I hope I can... I hope I can be there uh, for the event. Um, I have a awesome. vintage Swedish bonnet, which you're you're welcome to, um, if if there's Love there's it. no other bonnets available. Um, but we do have this issue now, Katie. You and I have talked in the past about uh, this, and we've been in a couple of forums that there is this risk uh, about what happens in an inclusive or safe core when the new officers come. In this case, you've done some really good work in terms of, for Sharon in particular, you know, getting some assurance from the DC that this is all okay. But we are at the mercy of the moves. We don't know who's following us as a court. We don't know who the next DC is. We don't know who the next TC is. And we've talked a little bit about the idea that perhaps it's time that some of these core values um, and uh, and identity questions around what it means to identify as this core, as a safe place, actually needs to be bedded down and part of the conversations when the Salvation Army thinks about who's coming next. Absolutely. Like I think um, if we think about some of the logistics within a core, part of that is, you know, we identify that that core is even, is it a low social, low social economic area or it's like we have these criterias, right? And I think in the background one of our big fights is how do we create one of those criterias to be this is an inclusive core so that we ensure that when I move on the next officers can only be inclusive officers right um however much say we have in that space we're yeah. going to keep fighting and trying really hard to earmark that forever Pakenham will be an inclusive core yeah now, we've talked a little bit about lament and you've shared some of the lament journey that your core has been on that's got you to the point you're at now. But as we sit here today in the middle of 2023, what are you lamenting at the moment in regard to the Salvation Army? Yeah, that's such a big question, right? What what am I lamenting? I think for me the lament is that we cannot I feel cannot sometimes have adult conversations like let's sit down at the table together and have a conversation of what do we think, what do we feel, and actually be able to acknowledge what are our fears and our worries and do this in a safe space, right? We've talked about safe spaces, being yeah. open and people feel that they can share their experience and their stories. And I think for me the lament is that we can't get all sides in the same room and respect each other to have a conversation about it without feeling personally threatened. And this is both sides, right? So for me, I'm lamenting the fact that with when we fear the unknown, instead of approaching it and having the conversation, sometimes we avoid it or sometimes we completely make decisions that aren't healthy in that space. Um, and I think as the Salvation Army, we are in, especially in the Western world, we're looking at the decline of the church and we're fearing what's the future. Yeah. And in our sense of fear, we hold on to what we, we know works, yeah. realising that may not work anymore. 
So I'm really lamenting that. And I think the other big lament for me is that we are losing so many passionate, missional people because we can't have this conversation in healthy ways around inclusion. Um, there's yeah. a lot more element, but I'll finish there. That's good. I, I just want to add, not that uh, that I'm being interviewed here, but just picking up on something you said, one of my great laments at the moment is that we do talk about the decline uh, in in numbers and soldiership and officership in, in this part of the world and in, you know, uh, Northern Europe and the USA. And we ask, what does the future looks like? My view is the future looks like Sharon. Yeah. Sharon is the future. When we look at core that are inclusive, that are safe, that are empowering uh, and enrolling um, queer people, uh, people who are transgender, people who are diverse for a multitude uh, of reasons, culturally, ethnically diverse, they're growing. You know, there are there are mm-hmm. core around the world that do that do include that do have uh, equity that are enrolling people who are gender or sexuality diverse as, as adherents and soldiers, and they're thriving. They're full of life. There's joy in, in those core. I lament that I think we're missing it. I think it's the answer's right in front of us uh, and, and we miss it. And unfortunately, like you said, I think we then lose a lot of really good, solid, Christ-loving, spirit-led people because they just can't tolerate the fact that we're not who we need to be anymore and that's really hard but Sharon enough for me what about you what what's what does lament look like for you at the moment I think for me lament is um thinking about how um like I said before I had that initial doubt that you know I wouldn't be accepted and all the rest of it and there's a lot of trans people and LBGP uh, people that are out there that I feel the same and they're not coming to the church because of that very reason that they feel that they're going to not be accepted. And I guess my, my biggest lament is that those people won't know the joy that I've felt in the last several years of being a part of something that's really special and something really exciting. And, you know, they're, they're afraid, I guess, afraid to take that step. Um, so yeah, that, that's that would be it. Thanks for sharing. I've no doubt you're going to be an incredible ambassador for some of those people. Now you already are, but even more so in the future when you're out in your uniform and and bonnet. Uh, a new general has just been elected quite recently in the Salvation Army. The world leader of the Salvation Army uh, has been elected. Sharon, if you had a message for our new general, what would it be? Just to listen to the conversations and allow those conversations to be had um, and understand that LGBTQI people are all out there and they want to be a part of something, um, want to be a part of the church, want to be a part of uh, hearing God's word and, 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 and being a follower of Jesus. And a lot of them are too, unaf- uh, too afraid to be able to do that for persecution from inside the church, from inside the Salvation Army. And that's why it took me so long to come back to it. So, yeah, please sit down, listen to the conversations that I had and and just think what huge, huge responsibility you have in your hands that can change the lives of a lot of people yeah. just by doing that. 
And Katie, if you had to sit down with the new gen, what would you say? What would I say? I would say many things. (laughs) But uh, I think for me, I was reflecting on this question and just going, I would remind our new elected general, how did we start as the Salvation Army, right? And it was the last, the, the loss, the least. But it was actually Boothley started a church because the church rejected those in which we were called to love, right? Yeah. The Salvation Army is a church where other churches reject people. And in today's world, more than ever, we need the Salvation Army to remember that message where churches around the world reject LGBTQI plus people. We need to be the church that embraces them, right? That is the heart of what the Salvation Army is, that, yes, it's the ones the world rejects, but it's actually the ones the church rejected. And that is who we are at the core of the Salvation Army. And so that is what I would remind the general. Remember who we are and who God called us to be. We're coming to the end of our time, but Sharon, uh, a a question for you. You've shared some really um, gripping insights from from your life so far and it's been an incredible journey and and we celebrate with you where things are for you now but uh, i'm interested where has god been for you on the journey throughout this this past season or few seasons for you oh god has been right alongside me the whole way the whole journey yeah um i I often get thrown as a rebuttal, um, but God doesn't make mistakes. No, God doesn't make mistakes. Absolutely, he doesn't. I totally agree he doesn't make mistakes. In the past, God has sent famines, plagues, uh, floods to test people, to test their faith. He's taken firstborns. He's done all that sort of stuff and tested people to have faith. And those people have got through with that faith if this is my journey if this is my test of faith god i'm here i'm still here i haven't gone anywhere you i know you're there waiting for me you're still with me and i'm still here with you yeah. <laughs> oh man ain't no follow-up to that sorry <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've come to the end of our formal conversation. Not that it's felt so formal, our informal conversation. We have a feature of Included, the podcast, which we talk to every guest about, and it's called The Fast Five. Are you both ready for The Fast Five? Absolutely. Bring it on. All right, here we go. We're going to ask the five questions. We'll go first, Katie, then Sharon with everyone. Fast Five. Here we go. Thinking of people who are gender or sexuality diverse, where do you find hope in the Bible? Ah, absolutely. I think for me, I love looking at the disciples, right? Who were the people that Jesus called? And they were the ones that society said shouldn't be leading a movement. And yet Jesus was like, no, I pick you. Come and follow me. So I get hope looking at the disciples. Awesome. Sharon, for people gender or sexuality diverse, where do you find hope in the Bible? Oh, absolutely. My favourite book, uh, the story in the Bible, is the story of Daniel, the book of Daniel, um, and how he was thrown into the lion's den, which is pretty much like my life, but God stopped, uh, shut the mouths of the lion so that wouldn't attack him anymore, and he lived to live. 
Awesome. He lived to live. Indeed. May we all. Question two, where (laughs) do you see hope in the church? Katie. Mm, I think where I see hope in the church is where God's people actually do lament for that which is meant to be and they seek God's kingdom, right? When, When the church is living out kingdom values, that's when I see hope. Sharon? Yeah, more open and, and more belonging churches like our Pakamam core to be spread out throughout the world where everyone's accepted and everyone's welcomed. Mm. What does being a good ally mean to you, Katie? Yeah, look, being a good ally is acknowledging the power I have in the room and the, the ability to speak in spaces that maybe others can't. So as an officer, I get opportunities to speak in areas others can't. So as an ally, I speak alongside, not for people, but alongside those that need to be heard. And then when they get the stage, I move out of the way. Maybe a slightly different perspective for you, Sharon. What does a good ally look like? Oh, it's pretty much the same. When um, when you're speaking with that person, not against them or over them, you're actually being there helpful and, and supporting them. So yeah, that's what an ally looks to me. Support. Awesome. Katie, if you had one message for the Salvation Army broadly, what would it be? Ah, uh, look, first, straight out, oh, don't leave. If you are on the edge and you're feeling like the army is done, like God may call you to leave, listen to God, right? But if you're in that space where you can't see hope in the moment, just hold on because I believe that God is up to something and there's more to come and and to remember that God called us for those that others don't want to love and with the love of Jesus, not morality. Awesome. Sharon, what's your one message for the Salvation Army? Katie just took the words right out of my mouth. God (laughs) is up to something. Mm -hmm. Um, Katie says that a lot and it's the first words that jumped in my head. God is up to something and stick around. Awesome. Last question in the Fast Five. Katie, if you had one message for those who are gender or sexuality diverse, what would it be? It would be, you are perfect just the way you are, right? You are loved, you are valued, and you were created who you are because it's beautiful and it's needed in this world. Sharon? Take the plunge. Do it. <laughs> Do it. Fight those fears. Go to church and and it's going to turn your life around. You are accepted. You belong. Mm. And you are worthy. Amazing. It's been an absolute delight hanging out with you both. Thanks so much for joining us. Lots there to for us to reflect on. We would encourage everybody to take some time to work through some of the stuff we've talked about. There's some big ideas, some powerful stories. You might want to listen to some of those stories again, um, but, but really allow the spirit to move as you consider what it is that you've heard and what it means for you, for your church, for your place in the church, for your place in the kingdom, for your place here on earth. There's heaps more content and information if you're looking to explore these sort of areas, either as a church leader or as someone um, who's connected to the Salvation Army. You can go to our webpage, www.includedpage.com, or you can find us on Facebook, Facebook forward slash included page. 
Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that we can keep you up to date with all of the great people we're talking to as we explore what it means to be a Salvation Army that is safe and equitable for people who are gender or sexuality diverse. Katie and Sharon, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you.